the bottom line. Hey everybody, Yaku here. Uh, this is kind of a special episode. Uh, it, it's a bottom line episode, but it's really an impromptu. Philippa tonight just said, look, I've got something on my heart. And she's doing this with me. And so we're going to post this as a bottom line episode. Uh, but it's audio only, no video. Obviously, for the podcasters, welcome, thank you. Uh, but Philippa, why why don't you just dive in with what you started to tell me about raising up boys who become men and the need for men to feature in our culture today? Well, I think there's been an attack on our culture for a really long time. And... You go into that in the documentary. You guys are finishing up soon. There's been a very strategic, logical attack on the family, on our nation, and they're they're attacking they're attacking men and they're attacking families, and that's how you kind of destroy a nation. And so, um, I have been seeing images. Um, of war for a long time but I feel like right now we're in a cultural war and the things that I've been seeing um, I had a dream for instance in 2020 that was pretty profound and it took place in the living room Um, and the people that fell came back I knew it's not a I'm hoping it's not as physical as, um, you know, we think war could be, but there's definitely a cultural war and a spiritual war, obviously. But I would say that what I have seen, that we win. Um, And you talk about this a lot, that you can't just, it doesn't end with just being saved. Like, you're saved, so now what? And I absolutely love yeah. that message because... Well, well, God laid that on my heart. Don't forget your thought. But he, laid, he just one day said to me, you know, find it in my word where I say your goal for your, your goal on earth is just for you to be saved. And then it stops there. He says, go into all the nations. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's almost like he said, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you choose life if I present life and Satan produces death? Why wouldn't you choose life and then go... Take it to everybody. Go give everybody the opportunity to make that choice. You said a war in the living room. Can you just expound on that a little bit? In your vision, your dream you had, there was a war in the living room, the living room of America, like living rooms, people's living rooms. So the war is in the home. There's a war in the home. Um, I I haven't been dreaming as much. I've, um, I feel like the Lord speaks to me more when I'm awake now, but so this was a very profound dream that I had had, and it took place in my, the living room I grew up in, um, and we were, the good guys were in front of the television, and there were soldiers coming over the couches and attacking us, and a lot of people went down on the good side, and it felt like um, these soldiers just wouldn't stop coming and it was me and my grandfather, and he's a Korean War veteran. Um, we were like the last people standing, and even my grandfather went down. Um, but we eventually, we won. 
like they just they stopped and we won and everybody kind of came back and I got a embossed invitation that said um the good old days 2.0 and I I remember waking up from that going that had so much <laughs> in it um but I I know I rec- I represented my generation in that dream um I believe millennial parents specifically and my grandfather represented the good old day generation um grandfather and we were like the last defense and even he went down but I we won and it was the good old days 2.0 and I've seen a lot of those kind of things too similar to that cultural war um, we do win. And I think that's really important for our culture right now, for Christians especially. We need to know who we are, who our God is. The enemy has already been defeated. Like, he won. Read the end of the book. Um, Jesus wins. He won. He won 2,000 years ago when he rose again. Um, the devil has been kicked out. And the problem is we've got, um, he's the master of the airways still kind of on earth and we're believing the press. He is the liar. He is the deceiver. And we've got a whole bunch of Christians going, well, it's just going to get bad. And, you know, we just sit here and just complain and whine and watch the news. And it's basically his press. And one of the one thing I picked up from Lance Wallnow that I absolutely loved was he called the the press, the media, the prophet, the false prophet. They have the false prophet spirit. And that is so accurate. Um, I absolutely believe like we're listening to the f- spirit of the false prophet. Um, but I, I, I think, and I want to get, I really want to, you know, want you to come full circle with it about boys and men. I think we're Yes, culture is listening to the spirit of the false prophet, but it has a voice because people listen. And so let's just talk about life. It's supply and demand. And that's that's scary now because never ever does demand meet supply. Supply meets demand. So let's just pause there for a second and let's be honest with ourselves. Does America... And has America for a long time demanded fake news? <laughs> I, listen, has no, it? That's good. Has it demanded lies? Has mm. it has it rejected the truth knowingly and allowed the enemy to feed lies, thereby creating the monster that's now eating us? Yes, I argue absolutely yes. The wow. 60s love is love movement. Everything goes. Mm-hmm. Just don't tell me the truth. Don't tell me that the AIDS epidemic killed a bunch of people. <laughs> and, and No, just yeah. love is love. Right? Don't want to hear it. So just tell us what we want to hear. Your uncle wrote a I song. I was so going to go there too. Yeah. No. Like, those Jay lyrics. Levy. Well, look, he was nominated for a Dove Award. He a wrote. Few. Yeah. Sorry? Several. Yeah, for several. And, and Jay, shout out to you. I keep writing songs, brother, but he wrote a song that was decades ahead of its time. Tell us what we want to hear. Tell us that we're blameless. We'll make you rich and famous. Let's hear for what we want to hear. I'm telling you, 
on the cycle of business 101 supply and demand we are now drinking mm. from the supply that we demanded yeah to a degree and it got out of control but but if you look at america today they're demanding pornography truth they're demanding immorality yep demanding and we can say restore america restore america until you demand law and order until you demand righteousness until you demand the word of god in your child's school you demand the word of god in your home in your life you demand yourself from repenting for, for to repent Mm-hmm. and to turn from your wicked ways you will not drink from a positive healthy supply mm-hmm. and this is a it's a harsh word i know but i it is time for the truth like yeah. we have been fed a bunch of lies we are and we're living with the consequences of it he is the liar he is the deceiver he does not want the church to know who they are he does not want christians in the word of god we are we are, yeah, we're listening to the false prophet. It's nonstop news. It's nonstop social media. We're not in the word. If we're hearing anything in general, it's from some Christian on Instagram celebrity. And it's not really what God says. And go, you, you have something. Yeah, think of it this way. <laughs> think of it this way. Even today, even in this Take America Back movement, okay? Mm-hmm. People are not demanding the word of God to be spoken. Do they really want it? No. Yeah. They're demanding someone in media to come tell them what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Now, CNN is not telling them what they want to hear at the moment. So they have a pretty long list for what they would like Fox to <laughs> tell them. But listen to what I'm saying. They're still demanding the media... To feed them. Yeah. The word of God is supposed to feed them. Yeah. Go demand of your pastor to speak the truth boldly. Go demand of your Christian brothers and sisters to but go walk out in love. Seriously, we a, are getting what we are demanding. It's true, but it's also our time. Like the, one of my favorite passages, my favorite scriptures is, um, do not be fooled. Um, bad company corrupts good morals and character. And it's what you spend your time with. Like it... Who you choose to hang around with and who you, what you listen to, um, news, who you follow, all of it, absolutely, like pornography, well, it all affects. Well, you become you. them. You become. You it. do. You become it. So, what you choose yeah. to spend your time with is what you turn into. Yes. Um, yes. Honestly. No doubt. So there's no doubt. There's no doubt. We are products. People become products of their environment, and so surround yourself with truth tellers. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the news, real people, people who know your name, people who you have to face every day, people who know your history, people who can call you out, people that, who can call your mother and your <laughs> father, people, you know. But one hour of listening to a pastor talk. It's not enough. It, no, you no. have to spend time no. in no. the word and no. study the word. And I've. I'm, and talk about God. Yes. Talk about his ways. Yes. It's, it's not just, I mean, it's a lifestyle, right? And so, you know, put that on loop. Mm-hmm. You know, you put, but, you put 
Instagram and TikTok riots and crap on loop and, 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 and people exploiting themselves and degrading themselves. And, you know, that's what, you, you know, what the eye behold. Yeah. I mean, someone told me a long time ago that um, what you focus on is what you worship. And that was super convicting to me because, you know, I think in our head, a lot of Christians say, well, God is my number one, but what are you focusing on? Like, do you believe what his word actually says? There's so many verses in scriptures that I think just go over our head or we say it and it's some platitude, but do we actually believe what it says? I think when we actually believe what the word of God says, that's when the enemy is going to run and flee. Like he does not want you in the word and he does not want you to understand who you are, what God did, um, who God is. We have a very, very um, asleep church still. But I believe, um, I just, I feel... But again, that's what we demanded. Yeah. And look, I love, I love, look, your your dad, my father-in-law is one of the greatest. I mean, I love the man. I, I do. And he's different than his generation. But his generation, the baby boomers, mm-hmm. they struggled as kids. And then I believe they 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 demanded uh, apathy, mm. and they demanded comfort, and they got comfort, yeah, and they got apathy, and then you got comfort and apathy in the church, and now it has produced little ones who's now grown up to be millennials and and Xers and Zers and whatever, that's apathetic to demanding the challenge. Look today, kids don't want challenge. They don't want to be challenged. I'm talking about, I, I love a challenge. Nothing makes me feel more alive than a challenge. You are a challenger. <laughs> like something that really you go, dang, I don't know, man, this may not go, this may not work out well. I may lose. And, and But so people are, are shying, and this is why I come back to the men. Men are shying away from challenge. But in their primal instinct, they want it though. God made them that way. They they do. And, you know, and even if it's just to compete for a woman, that's how it, you know, it starts as a young boy. You compete for the girl. You compete for the woman. And then it, you know, used to compete for food. And well, then we can and compete much for prizes. Society's and for, even taken that away. In the, of course. It wants apathy. Trophy, just yeah. just show up and you win. No, you don't win when you show up. You don't. Um, There's no trophy for showing up. Showing up is a prerequisite for being on the team. I will say you do have to show up, though. That is like the first step that has to happen. Yeah, but you but... don't get rewarded for showing up. No, no, I'm not rewarding nobody for showing up. I'm expecting you to show up. <laughs> That's not even, I mean, it's like people go, I showed up, give me, like, like I showed up at the school board meeting, I want a prize. No, go to war. Yeah. We have go to Go fight, go win a battle, and then relentless. you get a prize. Um, you got to, you know, we always said, you know, and this is a Native American term, and I don't care. This is just, how many skins are on your wall? You know, we say that in Africa. How many animal, animals have you killed? How many battles have you won? Mm. You know? And so put a skin on the wall, you know, and then you can go get a trophy. You don't get no trophy for the, you know, 
The boys in Africa that went out, you didn't kill anything. You don't eat. Yeah. Tribally, still today. Actually, this morning spoke to a dear brother who you know, Nati. Mm-hmm. Nati and Gwenya. Nati, if you ever listen to this brother, he's a Zulu. They are warriors. And he told me today, Yaku, we have a new king. We just inaugurated the king last week. You must come to Africa. And I said, I'm coming, brother. I'm coming next month. And he goes, you, you, you've you got to go pay respects. you got to meet the king. And this is the king of the Zulus. Of course, he's not the king of might. But they're so tribal still today. Those boys, when they're 12, they get sent into the bush among the lions and the leopards and the animals. And they're the bottom of the food. I mean, they are the easiest prey. And some come back and some don't. And if you come back without killing something, you're a weakling in the tribe. You're shunned. You're not going to marry a pretty girl. You're not going to marry. I mean, it is brutal, but it's competitive. But I love it. Because their whole lives, they're training for that day when they're 12 and they get sent off to go kill something and bring it to the tribe. And everybody celebrates because they contribute it. So we've created a weak society by um, weak men, weak men. We've we've taken we've taken men out of the home. Um, our divorce divorce rate has skyrocketed. Um, men are distracted with things like alcohol and pornography and a whole bunch of other things. Oh, or, or, or no offense to you guys. Sorry, Philip. I got to say, yeah. this. 40, 45 year old men playing video games. That's real. That is what's happening. Come on, guys. I'm I'm not I'm not judging you, but man, put that time into your body. Hit the gym, run, invest in your wife, your kids, do some, build a business. Can't be sitting playing video games at 45. And yeah, I want you to have your downtime. Go play golf or something. Something intellectually. And no, and I know guys are gonna get so mad at me right now. <laughs> They're gonna get so mad. Be so mad that you will eat your remote. I will like that. Eat the remote. I want you to invest in yourself and not numb your brain. Yeah, our society's created a lot of numbing um, mechanisms. And yeah, men are out of the home. Women are raising kids. And something that's um, women or caretakers even, that's, that's how far we've become removed from our families is um yeah women are in the workplace too and you have caretakers taking care of the kids and we've totally separated the family um but even when women or caretakers are taking care of the kids there's without that male figure there um women are naturally more gentle and we've created a very gentle you know, participation trophy, manage your emotions. And we have a bunch of kids that really haven't grown up out of being kids. Um, I go, think go, it's something talk, that talk about this new, happened. This new parenting system that the church embraced that didn't come from the church, that came from non-believers. That's all about exactly what you're saying. I mean... Oh, we... Yeah, we need to be very careful the things that we adopt um, because not... The devil knows the word of God, um, probably better than most Christians, and he twists it. And so we have a lot of people that don't know the word of God that will believe things because it sounds good or no, that's, that's 
a, that's in scripture, right? And a lot of it doesn't come from scripture. Um, you might find some good things in it. I can find a lot of good things in a lot of things, but that doesn't mean the root of it is godly, and it doesn't mean what it produces is godly. Um, so, and that's for a whole bunch of things. We can reason our way into any sin, unfortunately. Well, because it... Because we've glorified feelings, and I say that with a to a feeler. So hear me, let me again. Man, people are gonna be so up in arms in this episode. But hear me out. I'm not talking about you being a true empath. And some people today will just say they're an empath, but no, a true empath, someone that really feels someone else's emotion and feelings. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your selfish feelings, your feelings that woe is me. If people don't pay attention to me, I don't have value. If they don't like my Instagram post or if they do like it, that means I'm, I have value. Your value does not lie in people's opinion about you. And now we've got a movement where love has become a feeling. That's super, super dangerous. Because the truth in the root of the word of God says love disciplines, love corrects. God actually says if you spare the rod and the staff, if you spare correction of your child, you do not love them. So it's the exact opposite, but it feels better. It's 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 more it's more comfortable and it's more peaceful to, to not you well, know here's, point out we need mistakes. Conflict like you don't grow with iron sharpens iron. And I've been working on a book with Katie Walker for a while on how to be a hero that God's called us to be a hero and if you study heroes and stories and um, there's a whole bunch of examples in the Bible um, you, you're not born a hero you become one um, and God puts things in our path to grow us into who he needs us to be like if you pay for if you pray for patience God is going to give you opportunities to be patient um, if you pray for whatever, God is going to give you an opportunity to use that. Um, I know just this week I had a lot of challenges where um, it was, I realized it was my opportunity to rejoice and trust God and operate in faith and not stress. And um, I didn't do so well this past week, but I know God has placed those opportunities for me to grow into who he needs me to be. And we look at these challenges and just, woe is me. We, Americans, we're really, really um, spoiled in that. Um, we don't know what the rest of the world, how they operate and what it looks like. Um, I know after but, hearing... But that's a problem, though. It's a huge you know, problem. Because it's something we did this week. And I think some of those challenges that you faced this last week are obstacles that I... That I put in your way, you know, and, and then you were kind enough to see it as God saying, okay, here's an opportunity. But but that is life, though, and, and we do. And, and if we choose to see it as an opportunity, we get stronger. Uh, but what I was, was going to say about what is happening now in, in this movement is people are justifying mediocre. Mm. Mediocrity is being celebrated. It's, I mean, celebrated. Yet, Beto Francis O'Rourke recently in a rally said, "We're we're gonna we're gonna if 
if he was to become the governor of Texas, and, and may that not happen, but he was going to do away with all standardized testing, the STAR testing in Texas, because children should never stress about a test. We should never allow a child to stress about a test. Well, how's that child going to learn? How's that child going to learn how to overcome fear, overcome trial and challenge? How's that child going to learn that, hey, it hurts to lose. I don't like to lose. I learn a lot from losing. You know, no, we're just going to make it mediocre. Everybody passes everything. And you're going to dumb the society down to a level where... That's what they want. We're not ranking in the top 100 now. We won't rank in, the, rank in the top 200 nations in the world with actually using our intellectual power that God gave us. And so it is a... That's how you take down a society. Squandering of godly gifts it is, is and, what we're seeing. And challenge is good. And I, I am a super sensitive, empathetic person and... Sport was very challenging for me because I'm naturally just not competitive. But like that training was so hard. I had to learn to deal with my emotions and um, physically be able to survive. I had exercise-induced asthma and anxiety and panic attacks and a whole bunch of things that I just had to figure out how to deal with and eventually get over when I finally was able to deal with them. Yeah, but excelled. Yeah, at, yeah, at a anyway, but I want to, but, uh, Junior Olympic champion. I, I want to and, and I want to pause there, though. I want kids today to learn that. Yeah. Even when it sucks and it's hard and, and it's, you don't like it yeah. and it's awful, you can still get through it, not just get through it, but excel. You became one of the best junior track athletes in the world in something that you actually didn't like doing. You know, and, and, that, and it's challenging. Look, I, I told you the other day, there's no such thing as a track athlete that doesn't know pain. If you're a real <laughs> track athlete, it, I'm in right. I told you we, we ran 10 quarters, 10 400 meters in a session. And we had to run all of them in our group. We had to run all of them under, you know, under 50. And it was insane i mean it would, your body breaks down in ways you cannot even imagine and and then it's like the coach is like a little dictator they just go so what i mean so just keep going no but it, yeah. it teaches you stuff though yeah it teaches that the physical pain people are afraid of physical pain i've had incredible i've got i can literally tell you that your body goes to a place of pain and and I'm never going to say that any man understands. Man, I said, understands that what a woman goes through in labor. Okay. So I don't know what that pain feels like. I, I But I just, I've witnessed it three times and it's intense. But we need to. But I've gotten, I've had pain yeah. to a place where your body actually checks out. Mm -hmm. The pain goes so severe that it actually, you, you, the you body, yeah. you, it stops, right? And you come back from that. And then the challenge, when I was rehabbing this knee, they told me on the field when this tore, ruptured all four ligaments in this left knee. And the doc, our doc, uh, Evan Speechley, on the field said, you're done. Your career's over. It's 19 years old. A professional game. And I said, no, I'm going to play again. But my foot was facing backwards. 
Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm watching. Mm-hmm. We had one of our phys, uh, physiotherapists threw up on the field. Yeah. For, for what she saw, my leg was facing backwards. Yeah. Swell up like a balloon. They pulled pulled 180 cc's of fluid out of it within the first hour. Massive nine hour operation. They said, Yaku, you won't walk again. Your leg's going to be shorter, the whole deal. As they're pushing me on the gurney, starting with the anesthetic, I'm saying, I'm going to play again. And the doctor, Ponky Ferrer, said, You're out of your mind. Well, of course, I played again. But the pain that I had to go through taught me about life in the rehab process. Not even the pain and the injury, but the rehab. And I think people are afraid of emotional pain, physical pain. But like now that I've been studying Hebrews and um, a lot of um, Paul's letters, I'm just like, you had faith. Like that was faith. Like our words are powerful. And I had faith that I would play again. Yes. Beyond... Doctor's reports. If you read the words of Jesus, like over and over again, when he does these miracles, it's all about faith. Your faith has healed you because of your faith. Um, Faith as small as a mustard seed. And it actually says, when it says littleness of your faith, it actually means the word in Greek is is about persistence. It says brief. Yeah, littleness means brief. So you need, your faith needs to endure, persist. Um, It can be little, but it needs to endure and persist. But what you believe, what you speak is really, really, really powerful. Um, read the word, know the word, believe the word. But like that in the natural would be near impossible. But you knew in your spirit, you believed it. And faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Um, but because you believed it, it became reality. Um, it's really important that we understand that. So that's why we need to know who we are and believe it. We need to know who God is and believe it. Yeah, yeah. We need to know what he's going to do and what, what he he's says called. about you. Yes, yeah. and believe it. And yeah. I just I just want to raise up. There are a ton of people that have gifts and callings that you don't know about yet, um, that you have not operated in yet, that nobody has affirmed or commissioned you yet. And we just, we need Every player on the field to yes. get up, yes, um, show up. That is important, and start playing. And it's one of the things you say a lot that I absolutely love is we don't have obstacles; we have opportunities. Yes, um, this is an opportunity. I absolutely believe. I've seen it. Uh, we will win, but we need every player on the field. Um, there is a reason and a purpose. You got up this morning. God has something for you to do. If you are alive today, there is a purpose and a plan for your life, yeah. and you are needed yeah. here. Especially if you're saved. If you're a Christian, and God does not have a purpose for you, you're not waking up tomorrow. So you got a problem. you got a real problem. Every single person listening right now, you have a real problem on your hands if you wake up tomorrow. <laughs> because that must mean that, dear God, there's still a plan for my life. Because you're not here to suck oxygen. <laughs> okay? If you're already safe, so now what are you going to do? You're an oxygen thief. No, now you got to go to the world and do what? Scale walls. Climb obstacles. Because they're opportunity. Because every wall you scale, you see something new. You experience something new. you got new skills. You're stronger. You know, there's a story, an amazing story. I don't know if it's just an African story. People should comment. 
there's this father, he sends his son out. And they did this to me. And look, you, you, when you realize what they've done, you hate it. But then you realize later in your life, man, that was kind of cool. So that he sent, you'll see. For my case, they sent me out. No joke. They sent me out and they said, Yaku, you need to move those rocks. This is building material rocks, right? Like four tons of rocks. And then move those rocks needs to go over there on the other side of the field. And you can't ask why. Now I'm a high schooler. This is after school. You take a freaking wheelbarrow and you move all the rocks. Takes me two weeks. The day I moved the rocks, I said, good, move it back. It's like, what? Are you guys insane? And I just assumed they're going to build over there. But it wasn't about the rocks. It was what I learned through moving the rock. So there's this dad, a story he tells his son, go push, go push that rock. And it's this giant boulder, the size of like a room. Son goes out and he pushes the rock, can't move. It comes in, despondent, upset, tells his dad, it won't move. He said, he said, go push the rock, push the rock, push the rock. Well, the guy grows up, he's 23 years old, muscular, looks like a, just a monster. Still can't move the rock. And he comes into his father as an old age man. He goes, dude, that rock's not moving. He said, it's not about moving the rock. He said, look in the mirror. Look at your body. Mm. Now you're a beast. <laughs> now you can go fight dragons. And so sometimes we got to even push against the objects that we think won't move like a government. And then watch God move it. Because pushing is strengthening you. I, I will say too, um, and I shared this at um, at a church right after Rofo um, before you spoke in 2019, and this was before the election. This was before um, Amy, um, Justice Amy, was in Coney Barrett. Coney Barrett, yes. Yeah. So this is before all that, but I'm walking towards church and I feel in my spirit um, and I hear the words, row will fall. This is three years ago. This was three years ago. Row yeah. will fall. The church needs to be prepared. And I, I almost like stumbled walking because I'm like, what? Because um, that seemed so un... Absurd in that hour. Nobody, yes. nobody, nobody in politics... People would have laughed at you, would have said, yeah, mm -hmm. you're out of your mind three years ago that Roe row would fall. There's nobody. And, and I know other people heard that too. Um, in 2020, I didn't have anybody to tell it to within the church at the time. I started telling people in 2020 when we started connecting with some church leadership and didn't get any movement on it. But we are now, praise Jesus. But I started talking to the Lord about that. Just, I felt justice heavy in my spirit. Justice is coming. And I feel like there's been a delay. I've prayed a lot about it because of his mercy. And he wants people to repent and come to him. But I'm, I was praying about that word, like that row would fall. And on all these systems that need real justice that I felt like the Lord had. And they all these things felt so insurmountable, so old, so well-established and impossible. I started seeing walls, like huge, thick walls, impossible to tear down, right? And the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, that's what they said about Jericho. Mm -hmm. And so I know 
there are things that are going to fall. Um, the church needs to be prepared for it. And, yeah. Well, I know. Setting. Well, look, Scripture confirms Scripture. So God, not Yaku, says, Surely I will not do a thing unless I first reveal it to my prophets. Mm-hmm. God messages. And I firmly believe evil also announces itself. It does, doesn't it? It has to. Yeah, it does. A hundred percent. It announces itself. It it tells you clearly what it intends to do. Satan intends to do. God also announces. And scripture confirms scripture. Let's get back to men. What is the deal in your mind with... And I know I was raised very differently. And for all the South Africans listening, you know, you understand, you know. And and look, there's a part of my upbringing, even in school, where it was, it was unholy, because they beat the daylights into us for no reason. I mean, it was straight up child abuse, I think. But but I would not change a thing going back. Someone asked me the other day, "Would you? I mean, aren't you like scarred from it?" And I go, "You know, funny enough, no, <laughs> because because it wasn't." sexual abuse and it wasn't verbal abuse it was just consequence hard harsh consequence kind of like a legal system kind of like if a pedophile messes with a kid in texas they should go away for 30 years not 13 months like what we're seeing because that is not going to teach anything No. no if it says 30 years in south africa they would give you the equivalent of your punishment in school of 40 years. They would make a point. And no, there's no trauma residue because it wasn't about hatred or vengeance. It was just tough consequence. And it's real. And if they said it, that's what happened. And and we knew it. And it was, I'm so, in South Africans, I believe, are so much better for it. Um, now, the, the flip side of the coin is you can get a hardened heart. And God had to do a lot of work, you know, in, in the hardened hearts. But understanding consequence and accountability, I think, is something that has to come back in into a generation of men and activating well, men's purpose again. Yeah, well, I don't think... Um, this is probably from... Listen to Peterson on this, too, Jordan Peterson. But we're not there to be our the kid's best friend um yeah which i would you know i love my kids but um you're not there to coddle them and to like and babies need to be held babies need to be loved on and toddlers and every child child needs to be i'm gonna hold my 20 year old but you gotta be willing to discipline as hard as you're willing to love like i'm going I know who this child is created to be, and it is my job to prepare them to the best of my ability. And not settle. To deal with the world and to become that person who they're created to be. Mm-hmm. So well, letting they depend, them... Yeah, but they depend on you as a mother, Philippa. If yeah. not you and not me, then who? The world's yeah. not going to do that. No. The world will tell them to be weak. The yeah. world will tell them to give up, to give in. If this is, It's our job. It is our job. They depend on us for that. The youth in this country is begging the adults to actually parent them. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. 
their behavior is screaming, saying, give me boundaries. Parent they haven't me. grown up. Protect, That's what I'm saying. They have a me. bunch of children that have stayed children as they've... Of course. As the sun has traveled around. Well, they haven't... They've traveled around the sun. They haven't, they haven't pro- pro- progressed through the, the God-ordained phases of, of working through trial in the appropriate time and the consequence and self-awareness and, and all those things. But it, but honestly, I really believe a society is weak when it has weak men. And and um, we, our men can be stronger, tougher, not hard in their hearts. That's not what God wants. David was a poet, but the fiercest warrior. The dude didn't just play, look, why didn't he play the electric guitar? He played the harp. <laughs> I mean, a guy that plays a harp, you would go, that's a pretty soft guy. But you couldn't because he was the fiercest warrior. Not only did he play the harp, but it's not spoken of him enough. He made the instrument. Wow. So he was a craftsman. That takes time. I believe that's why Jesus was a carpenter, because carpentry it takes time to shave wood and shape wood. You don't do it quickly. And so he was a, he was a lover, a warrior, a poet, a king. Uh, he was brave as all get out. So this notion that if you're a, a champion, that that means, well, you can't be tender with your wife or tender with your children or hug them and have them sit on your lap because you have to have this facade. No, it means when it's wartime, you let the warrior loose. You flip the switch, and when it's time to love, you put the warrior away, and you love hard. And it's time to discipline, and it's time to correct, have compassion. Um, so, and that's also a thing. I, I'm so this makes me so mad. People talk about Jesus like he was some weakling. This du- this dude. People was don't not, know who Jesus is. No, this guy was not you, a weakling. But you actually need to read the scriptures. Guy had had, had a. Had as much love, compassion, and in a fierce look in his eye, and with righteous anger, as a seven-year-old, stood in the temple, in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, in front of the people that that public didn't dare even talk to, as a seven-year-old, and with wisdom and respect, challenged them and with confining, confining the the wise. And blowing their minds. And no, he was a man of courage and strength. But he knew his identity. Yeah. And so a guy cannot be that. Because then you'll see ego and bravado comes in. Because that's really a sign of insecurity. Yeah. So still, if a guy really knows his identity, that's a dangerous guy. That's a guy that in the right time will go to war for his family. Um, But no, accountability. Men to be men. And, And so how do we get women... To, to champion. I hear a lot of unmarried 20-something, 30-something girls say they want a strong man. They want a man of God. They want a leader. Someone told me today they want, uh, you know, back on our team, they want someone that will lead them. But do they really? Yes. Um. Do they know what that looks like? Maybe that's the question I should ask. Would they know it if they saw it? I don't or, or think... Or would their spirit confirm? 
I don't think there's a lot of, I think that we've talked about this too. I don't, I think that's why there's a lot of female leaders right now, even in the church, because there aren't strong, there aren't as many strong male leaders as there probably should be. Um, so you've got women that are stronger, um, for various reasons. And I don't, I mean, I can't speak for all womankind, but I do think women want somebody they can respect and look up to and work with mm-hmm. and lead them because they, I mean, side by they'll side lead. Mission. Side by side mission. And yeah. they, they have things they probably would like to lead, but they don't want to do this by themselves. And they don't want to pull the family. They don't want to pull the marriage. They don't want to, like, that's, but it's, it's not exhausting. God's, it's, but it's not God's order. It's not. It's when, when, not right. When the women lead, the family suffers. So now, single moms, hold on now. Hold your horses. I was raised by a single mom. There, God gives incredible grace and mercy to single moms and single dads. And I'm not saying women cannot lead. But when women lead without men by their side, the family suffers. Because women will pick up a torch that a man laid down. Yeah. There's biblical reference for it. But there's only so much you can do. And so men stop laying down torches. And the woman will then champion the men. There's this beautiful picture in South Africa. We had the Boer War. It's a war of blood river. I talked about the Zulus earlier. It was also our most fierce war. And, and literally the river turned red with blood. And there were very few Boers, with the, the, the Afrikaans-speaking you know, um, settlers. And, and we had the women stand side by side with the men. And the women would be tending to the children, but they would be loading the weapons. And then the women would learn to fire as well. And it was a side-by-side mission. And it's always a beautiful picture for me what happens when Men and women are in their place where God moves through them and, and that bond happens and it's a side-by-side helpmate, helpmate situation. If, if men step up, this game's over. Yes. Like, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and I'm thinking about all the school Glad stuff. Glad you said that. Uh, I'm thinking about all the school stuff and trafficking. Like, it's been mostly a women-led fight. 95%. That's the real number now. Yeah. 95%. And trafficking specifically. Yeah. Well, 95% of trafficking is women being trafficked. Yeah. But 95% of the people fighting against the sexualization of children and women are women. Yeah. Because for the most part, the men are the buyers. Are the buyers and stuck in porn. So if men step up when they step up this is over and women you for them like there's a lot of women that have been holding (laughs) championing this and championing so many things and i do believe it starts with women but men you it it's your time you gotta step up um we need you that's the title of my book that one day we we will finish (laughs) Um, but it starts with women and then they call the men up and you move the men to the front and you send them. See, men, there's this beautiful picture. Any culture, the Asian culture, the, 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 the Patriots, if you watch the movie The Patriot, where the moms, 
they sent their sons. Yeah. They sent them. They they and they sent them. And and so and that guy needs to know when I return home, the house is gonna be there. And and but when those guys were gone, the women were farming. They were raising the cattle. It's not like I'm just talking about Susie Homemaker here and just you know, homeschooling. No, like women can do just about anything, but they got to send the men into battle. Got to send them. You pick a mission and send them and champion them. And tell them when you come back, I'm, I'm, we're here and, and things are going to be. And that's probably why... In- why the enemy's gone so much after identity mm-hmm. for men and women um, all over the place. So like, you've got to start, we have to start looking at things in that way. The spiritual war, what's being attacked, why, why is it important? Because the enemy is deathly afraid that you're actually going to understand who you are, why you're here, who God is, um, the plans and purposes for your life. He can keep you distracted, if he can keep you numbing, if he can keep you questioning your identity and all of it, then you're you're not in the game. Um, so no, the second, yeah, you're questioning your identity, and I'm not just talking about sexual identity. That's a whole nother thing. Okay, this nonsense where everything now is about sex. Okay, no, kids are questioning their identity, meaning do they even. Do they even belong on this planet? Should they even live tomorrow? Where do they fit? Are they going to make the team? Will they have someone to sit next to them at lunch? Will they have a friend at the new school? I just spoke to the life of a 16-year-old the other day that has incredible parents. And she was so nervous about changing schools. And her biggest fear was she would not get a friend. Yeah, that's real. And she's about having panic attacks. And, and yesterday, not true, Friday, I got a report that she's loving the new school because she made three friends the first day. And, and and so the enemy wanted her to be all twisted up. Be a friend. Like, just, it's not hard. Be kind to people. Be kind to people. Befriend people. You never know by your one kind word in a lunch line. Yeah. Right? Can change someone's life. Hundred percent. And you would want someone to do that for you if you were in that position. Absolutely. And so so we should dish that out almost like we received it freely. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Scripture says freely receive the grace and the mercy and the love and the goodness of God and freely give it. Yeah. The kindness of God. And so all right, Philippa, you woke up the sleeping dogs here with this one and um I love it when you get inspired. Please continue to do that. This one is just audio only because we're not at the studio. It's late at night. We're at home. And and Philip is like, we got to do a podcast right now. I said, okay, it's only going to be audio. So please share it. Uh, I know you've been staring at a simple little image here on Instagram, but, but uh, or on your YouTubers, but share it because I really think what Philip has shared here tonight is gold. For our culture, for our society, I think it's prophetic. And you are a, a, a prophet. God speaks through you profoundly. Um, I think it's prophetic to our nation. There is a war in the living room. Yeah. And do not fold. 
And, and something you didn't mention earlier, the people that fell came back. They did. Those who fought and fell, they came back. That's why I don't think it was so much a physical war. It was it culturally people were taken down. Um, to Out of the game. Were, yeah, yeah. If you So let's do this. If you're the one listening and you feel like you've been eliminated from the game, you feel like by by choice or by pressure that you've not been in the fight and you feel like you have in fact been on the bench been on the sidelines longing to be in the game but but you've you've felt almost left behind like the game's passed you by it hasn't get in the game mm -hmm. find something to champion something to fight for find someone to pour into find someone to encourage find someone to to coach and guide and in love discipline start pouring into people and it starts in the home the battle was over the home take uh, your home back yeah for god you, you got to take your life back um and then your family and then your community and keep going out from there um to be an effective um, but family is what's going to fix this nation. Yep. Family, not but government. Yeah. Not the White House. The battle is over the living room. It is. The battle is over the living room. It's about what's happening in your family. Take your family back. Mm -hmm. And yes, your, your obnoxious, uh, disobedient 16-year-old can be brought back into the fold. If yep. you set a culture in your family... And they start seeing that it's producing fruit again. Uh, and remember, I said it earlier, every child is screaming out to be parented. Yep. They need adults to slay the dragons and point out the snares in the field and coach them and teach them and allow them to make some mistakes and teach them and be there and pick them up. But tell them, get back. One of my favorite things, and you know I do this. You know. Yeah. If a child of ours falls off of a bicycle or a swing, they go straight back on it. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Yeah. I don't want to. You get your backside back on that bike. <laughs> fall again if you have to. I don't care. Because we're not going to breed people who are afraid of pain, failure, disappointment. We're going to breed people that look at those things as opportunities. This is an opportunity. It's a huge opportunity. Win the battle over the living room. God bless you. You good? All right. Talk to you guys next time.